You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Paul Vaconi at Paul V87 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm joined by good old AR, Alex Ross, and Daniel Shahori, my second favorite, Daniel, and night to WrestleMania number two. Night to WrestleMania is done, and I really think WWE gave us their best. Uh, there's some problems with their best, but let's start out with some of the good news. Drew McIntyre finally, finally fulfilled Vince McMahon's prophecy and won a world title all these years <laughs> later. Uh, Daniel, I'll start with you here. This is something uh, that, uh, you know, when he was in 3MB, we never thought it would happen. I interviewed him at SummerSlam, and he told me at SummerSlam when he wasn't on the card, there was this great face turn coming, and I honestly thought Drew was pranking me at SummerSlam. But he's a man of his word, and uh, this is probably one of my favorite stories uh, in a WrestleMania in, in quite a few years. Yeah, me too. I'm really happy for him, the, the person, I don't, I don't know his real name. But uh, he's, yeah, I, I didn't, I thought, you know, once he did the 3MB and then he went to TNA, that was going to be it. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't come back much further from, like, and when he came back, uh, and then once he came back and he uh, won the NXT championship, I thought, you know, I was expecting this to come. But it was, again, it was a long, long time coming. So I'm very happy for him. Hmm. Poor guy, like, to lose all this time and then finally win with no audience is so yeah. anticlimactic. I feel yeah. so bad for him because this was finally, like, written for him to be a big deal, but I feel like there's something missing. Like the, like, you know, like you have a connection to a wrestler when you watch them win the title or you were at that WrestleMania and it's so prolific for someone's career. You know what? Maybe in like in a few years in hindsight, this will be considered like he was the COVID champion, the the champion (laughs) during this, during that time when this was a big thing in the world, like he was that guy. So maybe in hindsight, it, it will, historically be a big deal for him and I think is, anybody who survives is a covid champion very true and uh it's funny after wrestlemania last night they aired some of the chronicles documentary and drew's mentality about all this is well you know what? it's just been my luck of course i would win the title potentially in an empty arena so for if there's anyone who could deal with this it's drew mcintyre so i applaud him uh, but let's keep going because a lot of stuff here Edge faced Randy Orton in a last-man-standing match, uh, and I can only describe this as I messaged you guys as old wrestlers give you a tour of the WWE Performance Center. I really felt like for all the great promos we got from these two guys, I knew the match couldn't live up to any of those promos, and I felt like as good as this was, this kind of validated my opinion. Alex, did you feel that way as well? It was fun. It was great to see this tour as you put it to see yeah. what you know like you always kind of wonder what's going on back there and you know they're making the most of their situation you know it was a slower match they drew it out which was fine it's kind of expected with those two guys I really liked when they were in the weight training room and and on the cars and stuff so they made really good use of what they had. I, you know, I, I actually think this is a contender for the best match of the night. And of course, to see Edge reign supreme, like what's better? Yeah. Daniel, anything more on that? Yeah, I mean, I wish it was a falls count anywhere match versus uh, Last Man Standing because they could have done the exact same thing. It's just mm-hmm. whenever they, they stop to do that 10 count, it just 
takes me out of it. And they just did it too much. There was too many stops to do this 10 count. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, and what I sort of wonder here is, uh, are we in a situation where do you take Edge and do you, because he's got a new contract, do you put him in a rivalry with Drew McIntyre for his title? Or do both of these guys uh, just go away for a while? Like, I, I don't know, Daniel, do you think they just go away? I think everyone's going to go away for a while. Um, <laughs> the, like, I was shocked when they announced Money in the Bank for, for May 10th. Yeah. It wouldn't like, even announce Friday Night Smackdown. I was like, yeah. whoa. How, like, like, what? like they've, taped, they've taped Raw, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I thought, you know, we would get the Raw after Mania and they just go away. But clearly that's not what they're going to do because they have a secret location for SmackDown, which I don't know if anyone's asking. Don't ask me. Don't at me. Um, and, you know, I guess Money in the Bank's going on. I think they should just do this with 2K20. I know 2K20 sucks. It <laughs> save lives for once. Um, but that's that. Let's, let's talk about John Cena going up against the Fiend Bray Wyatt uh, in this uh, Firefly Funhouse match. And I honestly pictured this as just, you know, what would happen if Mr. Rogers got attacked. And it was so much more than that. It was, I, I, I don't even want to describe it. If you need this described, go to the WWE's YouTube channel, watch a clip of it, because words will never do this justice. Daniel, I think this is more than we could have ever asked for or dreamed of. Yeah. Of this unusual, bizarre thing. It's, and you can't call it a match. It wasn't a match. But for what it was, it's, uh, they've never done anything like that, especially on a, on a WrestleMania uh, so again, it, my, it appeared to me, I, uh, from what I know of Bray, the person Bray Wyatt, the, the person who plays him, that, that this I, I imagine this was he was given creative control over this, and it was allowed to do something completely uh, out of the wheelhouse of what they were accustomed to doing. They, they'd never done anything like this. Um, so just for that alone, it was it was one of the most. So this and the. the Undertaker-Styles match from last night or are the two most memorable things from WrestleMania, in my yeah. opinion. Yep, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That doesn't mean it, they're the best, mm-hmm. but definitely the most memorable. Yeah. And I just wish I saw Cena actually wrestle. Like, I wanted to see Wyatt and Cena wrestle. That was the only thing that was... I'm surprised that they didn't get a little bit of technical wrestling in just to kind of see what it would be like between them two. But instead, it was just a story, which was compelling in its own way for being new and different. But, you know, I I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, and I I think, you know, the good thing for you, Alex, is there is their match. I don't even remember what WrestleMania was nine years ago, six years ago. Um, And that's there for you. I think for me and Daniel, having seen so much John Cena, so many of his matches, so many Bray Wyatt matches. I don't think we like. I I know I didn't miss having a traditional match here. Did you, Daniel? No, I didn't. Uh, in this case, and again for this year, for everything that this year is, um, I I thought it was good. Like I, I was as in, and maybe very good. It was just because mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't a wrestling match. But for however long that was, what what, what was that? Ten minutes? I have no idea. I lost track of time, space, and the time space continuum during this. I couldn't tell you anything about those moments. I, I, but I was completely enthralled the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, let's talk about what was actually the opener and not the last match we'll talk about, which just speaks to how bizarre this placement is. NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley took mm-hmm. on Charlotte Flair. 
Uh, and I was incredibly torn because I picked Charlotte. I did amazing on the picks, by the way. I think I got almost every match. Yes, you did. Congratulations, you won, right? Oh, but it was over before the main event. I don't want to brag. But the point is, uh, <laughs> Charlotte Flair was in this match against Rhea Ripley, and part of you wanted to see Rhea, who's in her early 20s. She is, like I think, 23. She is so young. Charlotte, the seasoned veteran. And despite the fact that Rhea came in with the belt, she was very much the underdog. And this was either going to make Rhea Ripley as a top-tier women's star which you can argue she already is, given she started on NXT UK as their first champion, which is a brand a lot of people watching WrestleMania aren't even following. It's the minor UK offshoot of NXT. But I was so happy when Charlotte won because it, it sets up all these great possibilities. And, you know, this is sort of salt in the wound to anyone who watched last night because this is such a great opening match. Like, it reminded me of when Brock Lesnar faced Seth Rollins to start at WrestleMania like, this was just such an embarrassment of riches that they could have this match as an opener and sort of bury some of the lesser matches in between stuff to pace the card out well. Um, I still think it's a slap in the face to us watching the show yesterday and going from the women's tag team titles to this, uh, not because of the performance, but because of the prestige around the belt. Uh, but all that said, uh, Alex, you know, what was your opinion of this not having all the backstory around Rhea Ripley uh, that I have, having watched her every match from the May Young Classic to this point. It was a good match to start the night, but I'm tired of Charlotte Flair being mm. the champion. Even if she's in NXT and mm. winning a lot over there and it's exciting and to have a run over there, Ray Ripley showed that she's capable of being great. Everybody thought that she was actually going to take this opportunity and mm. – Clearly her injury and the uh, famous figure four was uh, her letdown. Yeah. Is, uh, is this going to be enough, Bilal? For, is this going to move the needle on Wednesday nights for NXT to come uh, on top of BAW? Uh, listen, I, I think Charlotte Flair is arguably a bigger North American star than anyone that AEW has. I know the hardcores mm-hmm. will argue with me. but Jericho? Okay, no, not counting Jericho. Okay, not Jericho. But, like, you know, Jericho's about to go on a little tour, or he was going to go on a tour, and he has other commitments. So I, I, I'm willing to, you know, put an asterisk beside Jericho, and that's why he doesn't have the title anymore. Um, but, yeah, this is – I think Charlotte's about the biggest star that they can send to NXT. And I, I told you guys, I think she's just going to murder people for six months, and then the woman who comes out of those six months and takes the title off her – you are going to be able to build a star. And I think there's enough here to keep Rhea Ripley on a level where, you know, maybe you can put her on Raw and SmackDown and she can go and get into another title picture because she was built so strongly here. But my goodness, Dakota Kai or someone else, Candice LeRae maybe, or Io Shirai more likely, is going to come out of NXT as the women's champion from Charlotte and you are going to have a new star. And I think, and just... Even just the process of watching Charlotte and all these matches we never got to see before. Because I think part of the thing that Alex alludes to with Charlotte is we've seen her versus Sasha Banks a million times. We've seen her versus Becky a million times. We've seen her versus Bailey a million times. And just to have her interacting with other people. And Charlotte has an ability to get the best matches out of people. I don't think she did that with Rhea. I think Shayna Baszler did a better job of that. But I think that's familiarity. So I'm super excited for this. Um, I need to stop talking about this. Do either of you want to add anything more? I, I just hope you're right because I love the idea. So I hope that's what they're doing. 
Yeah, and I, Alex, you're not asleep, are you? Because it was a lot of stuff. Almost, I'm getting there, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, so let's, the, keep, let's keep going. The SmackDown Women's Championship fooled us all as Bailey retained against Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Tamina, and Naomi. Uh, not a lot of surprises here, despite the fact we picked this wrong. They ganged up on Tamina. She got knocked out. Naomi and Sasha, shockingly, because, you know, Alex had Naomi. Me and Daniel had Sasha. And you ended up with what I was very disappointed in was yet another version of Lacey Evans versus Bailey, which sort of defeated the whole purpose of all of this. Um, eventually, Sasha helped Bailey get the win. And it still kind of maybe sets up Bailey and Sasha. Um, and I, I wouldn't have hated it if Bailey kept the title if it was her and Sasha at the end. And it was a clearer rivalry going forward. But man, this just felt like such a cop out, Alex. Yeah, such a missed yeah. opportunities. Yeah, L- Lacey and Evans. I, I, Lacey Evans should be uh, actually. She looked really good for the first mm-hmm. time in a long time, and they should have rode that storyline, or even your storyline sounds so better. To have Bailey, the most boring champion continue just didn't make sense with such a crazy opportunity like it, it, they just wasted it again daniel i i have no interest of seeing bailey and sasha again either like uh, eventually they are obviously going to go there i don't need to see that again either i'm hoping we get a face sasha i think that's the only way you can make this more tenable but I, I, I feel your point. Like, Bailey is very much the JBL of SmackDown champions. And it was a <laughs> JBL was on commentary. She's sort of the right heel at the right time. I don't even think you can really make an argument for her as a top five female superstar. I don't even think she's in that tier anymore. I think she's just below that. But that's a whole other debate that I don't – like, Daniel, you, would you agree with me? Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, she was at one yeah. point, but she's not now. No. Yeah, I think the time – maybe has passed for her and she needs to sort of just become Sasha's backup uh, or I used you know, to be a huge fan of hers. Yeah. I uh, just, it, it took them too long to bring her up and now it's taking them too long to move her around. Yeah. Um, speaking of not moving much around the raw tag team champions, no surprise here. The street profits defended against uh, Austin theory and angel Garza very well worked match, but I think a lot of yeah. credit goes to bringing in, uh, Bianca Belair, who is, I don't know if she's married or if she's just dating. I think she's the fiance of Montez Ford and sort of and the irony of Montez Ford's wife helping him when this team is managed by Selena Vega, who's married to Alistair Black. And she's now essentially managing the people who are not Andrade because he keeps getting hurt and are instead other people from NXT who are not her husband, who are now on Raw, is uh, sort of infuriating to me. But they did something great with this. Uh, Daniel, I know you probably feel a lot like me on this, but I think about the best they could get out of yeah, um, I, I thought actually I like this match. I was I was actually into it a lot more than I thought I would be because I didn't feel it should have been on the show, mm-hmm. but since it was, and it was actually one of the more high energy matches of the whole night. Alex, yeah, I agree. Like some good wrestling. I think there wasn't a ton of good like technical wrestling mm-hmm. tonight, and that was probably the only match that actually caught my attention. Yeah, just four great workers. Uh, and if you don't know, Ford is so athletic. Uh, you know, uh, Dawkins has got a great personality. He was sort of, uh, what yeah. was the promo he cut before? He was hitting on someone. I don't even remember who it was. Uh, uh, Nikki Cross? Yeah. I, I, well, I think there was something tied into tonight. But uh, I, I don't know if it was with Otis and Mandy or something. But, like, 
Dawkins is always sort of trying to get with any woman. Oh, no, I know what it was. He was referring to Angel Garza on the pre-show, and he was joking. He got so specific. He was joking about Charlie Caruso seemingly flirting with Angel Garza and vice versa. He's like, and he was basically like, homie, I'm single. Hit me up, Charlie. And I just, I love the dynamic between these two. And Angel Garza and Austin Theory, these guys, if, they, if WWE doesn't mess them up, and that's a big if, they're future yeah. stars. You could push both of those guys to the You could they're take great. one of yeah. those guys, put them on SmackDown, one of those guys, leave them on Raw, and if they were main eventing WrestleMania next year, I think Theory would need the mouthpiece. I actually don't think Garza needs one. From ripping off his pants in the ring to yeah. kissing women in the front row, this guy's got just unique, great gimmicks, and it seems that the ladies love him too. It's not just in his head, which it usually is. Uh, so shout out to him, and I'm very excited for the future of these guys, and I'm very happy for the Street Profits because they're very over, they're very fun, and they're finally getting a good run here. Um, speaking of runs that may not be as good, Alistair Black defeated Bobby Lashley. Um, this was a little interesting, as opposed as random as this match was, as there was no real build. We did this kind of just came down to Lana essentially trying to call the kill shot for Lashley and Lashley seeming to be all for it. But essentially that extra communication between Lana and Lashley, it just happened a bit too much. It gave Aleister Black the chance to hit a knee and then eventually the black mask and he got the win. And, you know, I think I always knew Aleister Black would win this match, but I'm glad they're sort of sowing more seeds of Lana and Bobby Lashley potentially breaking up. Uh, Daniel, I think, that's the most uh, positive thing you can get out of this match. Yes, and you know, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big Alistair Black fan, but mm-hmm. this match did not, another, another match that did not need to be on this card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, you know, kind of just there. Mm-hmm. And I expected more, and, you know, I, I don't know, the, the finish was so silly and maybe would have been better with an audience. And I know I'm using that as a crutch, but... No, that's a good point. You know, this this was a raw match. Yeah, that's it exactly. There's no build. There's... And again, I go back to the Selena Vega thing, because I just can't. Like, if Selena Vega was managing her husband, her and Lana could have been the heart and soul of this story. They could have gotten into some fight backstage. They could have bumped into, like, you know what I mean? Like, you could have actually narratively built a story, maybe not a great story, but Lana and, and Selena Vega are great talkers. Alistair Black is better when he doesn't talk. And I think you yep. can pretty much say the same thing about Bobby Lashley, just to a lesser extent, because Lashley's demonstrated a bit of stuff. Um, but quickly, what an amazing resume Bobby Lashley has, from working with Donald Trump to working with Lana. He's been everywhere. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. Otis, the heart and soul of SmackDown, took on Dolph Ziggler, and uh, I have to shout out JBL's commentary, whether it was him trying to describe Otis or just advocating for people to die alone. This was vintage JBL in this match, and he always seems to get one of these in these kind of cards. But essentially what happened was Sonya Deville was out there with Ziggler, and of course, eventually, Mandy's music hits, which I kind of laughed at because the way her music starts is just with a sexy voice going, Mandy. Man. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Mandy comes down. She slaps Sonya Deville, which, you know, she was in wrestling gear. I don't know what Sonya thought was going to happen. She slaps Sonya, and then the referee somehow gets distracted by this, giving Mandy an, an opportunity to low blow Ziggler. Um, sort of surprised because Ziggler had a low blow earlier that she went fist first. I would have kicked the groin personally, um, but to each his own. And eventually Otis took advantage of this. He got the win put Mandy over his arms, 
kissed her, uh, and then forgot to put her over her arms when they cut back. Eventually did get her back over his arms. There's a continuity error there. I'm not sure why they didn't fix that in editing, but uh, a great moment. Uh, maybe not quite a WrestleMania moment, but certainly a good sign, and I think now you can do Mandy versus Sonya. You can maybe start to build Otis up as at least a tag team contender with Tucker and Mandy in their corner, uh, and maybe eventually as a single star, because uh, obviously if the crowd was here, they would have gone wild for it, but yes. Otis is such a lovable guy that I think he sort of exudes beyond the television, and the commentary was so on point here, if only by how ridiculous JBL is and how much of a Scrooge he basically is about love. Um, it, I just enjoy this a lot, Daniel. Uh, did you get all that, or did, was something lost for you in translation here? No, it, it, it was it, like so many other things. It's a shame it wasn't in front of an audience. And like you know, I said to you earlier, like I, they, I, I would have held off on the kiss because mm-hmm. that because the crowd would have really popped for that, right? But again, whatever. It's I'm, I'm worried about a kiss in a wrestling show, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but most of the fans look like Otis, so <laughs> yeah. they're giving them the hope. You know, it's yeah. a lot of hope, and, and I, everybody, yeah. everyone wants to be Dolph Ziggler. But I got to be honest, Dolph was kind of underwhelming. Mm. But I mean, maybe anybody compared to Mini Vader is going to be <laughs> underwhelming. I think in fairness to Ziggler, he wanted to quit this company to pursue a comedy career. And they basically told him no. So I think knowing this is not the first thing he wants to do, he's given it a hell of an effort. So I give Zig- I cut him a little slack. And uh, you know what? Hey, at least they saved the Mustafa Ali reveal for a later date. Uh, who knows when that will be. But at least there's something still to look forward in. The, in this Money life. in the bank. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe we get a mixed tag eventually. I was sort of disappointed Tucker wasn't out there because I think they could have done a funny spot with Tucker and Sonya where Sonya just killed Tucker. I think that would have been amazing because she's an MMA fighter and she could do it. But anywho, uh, 24-7 championship. We sort of joked when Gronk said he would you know, want to win the title that, you know, is he going to win it? Is R-Truth going to have it? Is Mojo going to have it? Well, we didn't quite get as good a narrative as we were constructing because basically everybody just showed up. Uh, they were chasing Mojo who had the title and – they all lined up on the stage so Gronk could do basically a frat boy jump off a boat is what it looked like and land on top of them and not only pin uh, Mojo for the title, but use another wrestler as an arm hold, which was kind of embarrassing. It's like, oh, you're a full-time WWE wrestler and Gronkowski is going to use you as a, a, you know, an adjustment for his arm as he pins Mojo for this title. Uh, Daniel, quickly here, because I don't want to give this too much light. Um, I guess this is okay. <laughs> Oh, we're talking like like this was an actual match, I guess. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Well, there was no. I would no, I was appalled by the lack of social distancing. The ten guys. <laughs> they should have spread out and let them fall. That would have been funny. But, oh man, and just how generic and uh, just how how badly this was constructed that I couldn't even tell you yeah. who these guys were, and I don't no. really care beyond what a waste of. I, a, yeah, I assume our truth was in there, but I don't even know. And at one point, I was like, "Should I pause this and make a list?" I'm like, "No, nobody cares." No. Um, speaking of nobody caring, in the pre-show, we got Liv Morgan taking on Natalia. Um, to, to very little surprise, except Daniel wanted to be a patriotic Canadian. Uh, Liv Morgan got the win here. I, I guess, knew Liv Morgan was going to win. Yeah, you were just being nice. Um, mm. And I guess Alex, they see a future for Liv, or at least more than Natalia. I guess. Yeah, she looks like Alexa Bliss, like. Five, six years ago. 
that's that's a very apt comparison. Daniel, do you see that? Yeah, he does. She does look like Alexa Bliss. Just, just, <laughs> she's just like a thicker version of her. Yeah. Thicker, I guess so. More like like a younger, like like a teenager before like Alexa Bliss is, is tiny. Yeah, she's very. I've I've interviewed her. She's quite a bit shorter than me. Um, but it's funny because you say that, and Alexa Bliss is teamed with Nikki. The funny thing with Liv Morgan is she was teamed with Sarah Logan, who was a animalistic brown-haired woman, but uh, they just didn't stick with that. So they very much could have completely re- replicated Alexa Bliss, and they narrowly did. A um, couple other things I want to throw out before we go here. Uh, I want to applaud Stephanie McMahon for not wearing the same outfit to give us the illusion <laughs> that they did two tapings for her 30-second opening statement. Um, but at the same time, I want to chastise the WWE for running the same intro for a two-night show. And I thought yeah. about this a lot. You know what they could have done? They could have just used more of their endless supply of footage and just used the footage from the people in the given WrestleMania night so that tonight we weren't looking at Goldberg after we watched him get his ass kicked in about three minutes or we weren't looking at Shayna Baszler or I think Roman Reigns was still in this package. I think Sheamus was in that video package. Um, I couldn't oh, be bothered man. to rewind it, but it just was... Sheamus had no, no part of WrestleMania. Well, yeah, it just was clearly something they did a month ago and they were just like, we don't need to change this at all. Like, I'm sure The Miz was in it. Um, you know, it was just unbelievably... Uh, like, for a company that does very, very good production, I'm just mm-hmm. shocked that they didn't just get an editor to be like, let me recut this with the endless supply of footage I have. This no, is the no. night where you do the best of stuff. They did it on the first night where they had the uh, America song. Sorry, my Canadian brain doesn't know. But when they had like Aretha Franklin and Little America Richard. The beautiful. Yeah. America Which the Beautiful. America the Beautiful. was great. We didn't talk about that yesterday. I thought that was nice. And I expected that the whole night. Like w- the whole night they should have just been running through old clips. Yeah. That they can have that they still had the rights to at least or something. It makes no sense that they didn't use. Like they, they just tried to yeah. make this seem like it was an actual WrestleMania. And can we just quickly loop back to the final championship match? Is yeah. it just me or it was just a bunch of finishing moves in like yes. a three-minute span and then that's how Drew wins over Brock? Like that it was, was like... very similar to the Goldberg match from last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. A little bit of a waste of time. Well, I guess you run into this problem with guys like Brock and Goldberg. These are older guys with limited move sets. Uh, And I guess at some point with these shows, WrestleMania is typically an eight-hour show. I think this is probably, I haven't really been keeping tabs, about 7 to, you know, 10.30-ish. So they're they're shaving about an hour off WrestleMania. So it seems to me they've shaved it from their older people first. And certainly there's also a pattern here, which I was thinking about, where they're moving a lot of these belts off to younger stars, with the exception of Rhea Ripley. So, and not only younger stars, but more American-based stars, more Canadians and less international stars, with the exception of Drew McIntyre, who watched the tag team titles go from two Japanese superstars to, you know, an American and a, you know, Scott who lives in America, I would assume. Um, So I think there's some strategic moves being done here. And uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing, though, we're going to look back on, I think, with this WrestleMania is that Boneyard match, is the Firefly Funhouse. Because these are things we really haven't seen at WrestleMania. And hopefully, by this time next year, the world is back to normal. But I would like to see WWE take advantage of these things in the last few minutes we have here, guys. Uh, and Alex, I think they need to do more of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised this is the first 
time they've really done these scripted, heavily produced programs or episodes. I want more of that on a YouTube channel. Mm. You know, I want something more for the casual fans. I want them to be doing this with like potentially the rock, mm. you know, what's stopping them from, you know, going into a private studio and doing this kind of stuff or even just kind of uh, holographic, you know, I want to see some storylines. I liked how they like touched on John Cena's career and the mm. what if situations and a little bit of Kurt Angle. Like I yeah. like that stuff. I, it's like nostalgia and like contemporary wrestling mixed together. So I'll give them credit. That is definitely some of the most memorable scripted material they've ever produced. Yeah. Where are you in this stuff, Daniel? Uh, I really liked it. And, uh, you know, I think you can really thank Matt Hardy for really giving mm. them these ideas of what you can do outside of. But here's the thing. I, I believe in cases of tonight and last night, it was really fun in this context and for us. But I don't know if next year, if you were to show a filmed segment like this in a live, the live, it's gonna, the live audience isn't going to enjoy it as much as we would at home. Mm -hmm. um, so to that idea, I was YouTube. Well, I was thinking, uh, sure, you can do uh, any, uh, yeah, it's for, it's to be viewed at home. So I thought maybe once a year you could build to a pay-per-view that's just going to feature all of these. Like you'd have like five or six of these. Hmm. Just, uh, and there's no live component to it. It's just a taped special that they uh, film. And uh, I, I worry... I worry if that's too much, though, Daniel, because I thought about that, too. They had two of these over two nights of WrestleMania. Would they have done two in the same night? I don't even know if they'd be willing to double down on this idea in a given pay-per-view, but I love the idea. Like, Alex, I think you would love that, a whole pay-per-view of, like, pre-produced matches. Yeah, I just wouldn't... Pay-per-view. Just keep it you as, just like, don't the want the casual. an audience to sit through it. That's sure, right. It could be a special, like a special, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I wouldn't have it mixed in with a live, like I wouldn't want to go to the Scotiabank theater or to the arena mm -hmm. watching live wrestling. And now I'm going to watch a 20 minute thing on the screen. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But if I'm at home, I'll watch this for two hours. If you're going to give me five or six different ones. Yeah. And I just hate both of those venues you just mentioned. So I generally don't <laughs> like going there. Uh, finally, Daniel, what else? Uh, just before we go here, we're down to our last few minutes. Well, we got eight minutes technically. But uh, any, any other thoughts or comments on these sort of two nights as a whole before we go? Well, look, uh, you know, it's they didn't have to do this, but they obviously really, really, really wanted to have a show. And, and they, they just, the tenacity or the stubbornness, for better or for worse, of this company, um, they did, I don't know, I don't know if it's, if it's even fair to say they did the best job they could have done, but mm -hmm. I'm sure they're going to argue that they did, whether that's, you know, a lot of these things felt underwhelming and a lot of it felt really special and a lot of it was simultaneous. Like it was underwhelming and special at the same time. Um, and, and it, it's a shame that a lot of big, big moments uh, didn't have a crowd to react to it, but it, you know, they, so what do you say? It's, I, I don't know if we're going to know this was the right choice or not for a long time. Uh, it, but, you know, I guess I'm glad that they did it in the end. It's, uh, they've learned a lot. And I think you're going to see, you're going to see these things again. Like somebody, I forget who it was. I was uh, somebody said, Oh, now they could finally do 
Undertaker and Sting. Like if they do it in this way, right? It's like, okay, good. That I would watch. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. Why? Why would they be able to do that? Because you can edit around how old they are. Like with the Undertaker, if you're right, if the Undertaker just had a regular match with AJ Styles, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. No. And uh, he, and we saw in Saudi Arabia, he couldn't even physically really deliver on that kind of match with Goldberg. Right. But this way, you give him. He had a 30 minute match last night. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think, and it was interesting. Yeah, and I guess the last thing I'd, uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish up on here. I think. The weird thing with all of this is I think the circumstances themselves forced WWE to do things they wouldn't do. And I think yep. if you take these two nights as a whole, I, I think it is an above average WrestleMania for a couple of reasons. One, we got split into two nights, so we didn't have to sit through eight hours of this crap. And two, they did those two, you know, the two pre-taped matches that, you know, gave you a lot of, you know, a, a great situation. And I think generally they did a shorter show than they've done in the last couple of years. And they sort of stayed away from some of the things that don't work, whether it's live bands, whether it's Charlotte in a helicopter for three minutes with no audio, aside from the sounds of the helicopter, um, whether it's having the big panel in there or whether it's a two hour pre-show. Like there's a lot of things they did. And it's sort of the typical WWE thing where when things go wrong, they're forced to do things on the fly, do things more concisely. And when they do that, they do better. Like when, they got trapped in Saudi Arabia and let NXT have the best SmackDown ever while the entire yep. roster was stuck on the tarmac on the other side of the world. Why they planned those on back-to-back days, I have no idea, but oil money. Um, so it's really interesting that, you know, I, I think this helped them in a weird way. Um, again, we're not going to know, as you said, Daniel, for quite a while if this was the right decision. But I think realistically, you know, I know Dana Brooks in quarantine. I know The Miz isn't feeling well and could have COVID for all I know. Um, but at the end of the day, assuming none of those things turn out to be a bigger issue and we don't see some terrible situation because of this, and this has been an entertainment tool that kept people in who maybe would have, I don't know, gone picked up takeout or gone for a walk instead, like, I, I think we're going to look back on this and I think it's going to be looked at as a success. I don't know, Alex, do you feel that way or was that complete bullshit? This should have been free. This should have been that they wasted this opportunity to really showcase wrestling for what it actually was. I I think that uh, it wasn't meant to happen and they just kind of made it happen and to make it as good as possible is definitely redeeming in itself. But at the same time, they could have just, you know, not done it at all and not, they're going to do the same for money in the bank. And it's kind of scary that this is the future And uh, I'm surprised they didn't lean on their archives in times like these. Last four minutes, Daniel, your thoughts? Uh, I'd like to go back. Again, I was really surprised at the balls of this company to announce that they're going to do Money in the Bank. Like, they have a date Mm -hmm. for this. Like, they really think this is going to happen. No audience, for sure. uh, Yeah. Well, but it it seems so arrogant to announce – that you're going to do a multiple person ladder match mm-hmm. uh, or a few of them. Yeah, at least, like, at least, at least two. But this is like a month away. And they think that this is going to be a, this whole thing that everyone, like the reason that mania was canceled is not going to be a problem a month from now. I think that was, <laughs> it, this seemed very short sighted by them. Yeah. Especially when sports leagues are saying they may come back in August or September how they are going to do this. I, I actually don't think it's going to happen. I think, Daniel, you alluded to this in our chat. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I'll tell you what did happen was this podcast. And uh, I do not want to pay for Zoom Pro. 
So I'm going to stop it there with three <laughs> minutes to go. Uh, Alex, Daniel, this was a pleasure uh, as always. Pleasure. Uh, and, you know, we got to do this more, especially when we have some more time on our hands. Um, so let's, uh, you know, I know AEW is still kicking around. I know Daniel loves it and I hate it. And uh, I know Alex gets You don't it. hate it. I hate it. Uh, I like the music, but I pretty much hate it. And, uh, you know, I know Alex gets uh, SmackDown for free like most people. So uh, let's plan some more of these uh, at some points because uh, there's really nothing else to be done in our spare time. And uh, take it easy, boys. Take it easy. Thanks, Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thank you.